Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We are walking on streets of gold. We're going to a place where the walls, listen, we're going to a place where the walls are diamonds and jewels. You talk about bling, bling, and that's bling, bling. And I said this before, listen, what makes heaven heaven, listen to me, what makes heaven heaven isn't the beauty of heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there. And I don't care if heaven, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And I don't care, and I don't care if heaven were in a super Walmart. If Jesus is there, it's heaven. Now I want you to clap your hands. Would you do that? It's heaven. Now, once a year, listen, on the day of atonement or the day of Yom Kippur, the high priest would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies, carrying the blood sacrifice. The high priest, listen, he had to be clean. He had to be free from sin. There were some ritual cleansings that he had to do before he took that blood sacrifice behind that veil. If he didn't do that and he was uh, not free from sin and not clean, he would die in the presence of the Lord. God would kill him just like that. So what the people would do in those days, and listen, this is a freebie for you. What the people would do in those days, they would tie a rope around his ankle. And that rope would go all the way out of the tabernacle, through the courtyard, and out beyond the fence to where the people were located. Because the high priest... When he did his duties, he wore a long robe and priestly outfit. And at the bottom of the robe, there were pomegranates and there were bells. And as he moved about, you know, doing his work, you know, the the robe would kind of swish back and forth. And the bells would be heard and the people knew that he was offering sacrifices. But if those bells stopped ringing, they knew that he stopped moving. They knew that he was dead. And so they would use that rope to pull him out because remember, they couldn't go behind the veil either or they would be dead. So he would, they would use that rope to pull him out. Now, one other thing. Last week, were you with me? We were talking about how Jesus was carrying this 200-pound beam up the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha. And they would often, the Romans would often tie a rope around the criminal's ankle and, 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 and they would walk behind the criminal and just for fun, just for giggles, they would pull the rope from under his feet and he would just fall and face hit the ground under the beam. Don't you find it interesting that our great high priest, Jesus Christ, had a rope tied around his ankle as well as the high priest, um, 
um, in the tabernacle, in the temple, had a rope around his ankle. He would take that blood into the presence of God. Did you get this? The blood, listen, you're going to love it. The blood is the ticket. The blood is the ticket. And he would take that blood behind that veil. I'm trying to draw a picture for you. He'd take that blood behind that veil and he'd take some hyssop. Hyssop is like a branch. And he would dip the hyssop into, into the bowl of blood and then he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, on those winged angels. He would sprinkle that blood and he would do that only once a year. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, it's almost like this huge sword. Saints, please listen. It's almost like this huge sword just dropped out of the sky and, and tore the veil in two pieces. Note this from top to bottom, not from bottom to top like you would normally tear a piece of fabric. You would normally tear a piece of fabric by tearing it. You pull at it and it would tear up. Yes, but, but this tore from top to bottom. Why? Because I believe that God was already sending a message to man that grace comes from me. Grace begins in heaven. God is reaching down. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. God is reaching down to man. It is God who tears the veil and it comes down, reaching down toward man. And when that veil was torn, it was God telling man, you have access you see, the message of the veil was stay out. When the high priest walked in and saw that veil, the message of the veil was stay out. Caution, Will Robinson. Don't come near. Back away from the veil. The veil spoke of isolation, separation, and segregation. But the torn veil, get this, somebody get happy about it. The torn veil says, come near, open house, come in, work completed. You have all access to God. And Hebrews tells us, and Hebrews tells us, let us boldly come unto the throne of grace where we might receive grace and mercy in a time of need. You can pray anytime. You can pray anytime now. You don't need to come to the pastor. You don't need to come to the church. You don't need to come to the pastor and pastor, I need you to pray for me. Pastor, look, there ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have access. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can come to Jesus anytime. Anytime. And I'll tell you something. When you're out there on that 440, you need, to, you need access. Where are my people at? You need access. People be cutting you off and stuff like that. You need to be holy. You need it. You need it. We all need to be able to come to God, and we can. And that's why I love it. You know what? I was, I was out on the walkway after second today. And this brother, they were standing there praying for each other. And I just walked by them, and I thought, access. Isn't that just great? Right on the walkway, hundreds of people walking by. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And they're praying. Access. You can come to God at any time. 
No more sacrifices. This is what the veil torn says. No more sacrifices. No more religious rituals. No more blood of the lamb year after year. If you believe in Jesus, then come in any time you want. I want you to clap your hands right there. Will you do that? Praise the Lord. And imagine this. Imagine this. The priest is doing his duty in the temple. All of a sudden, he hears a loud noise of tearing and ripping, and he turns around to see what's going on, and the veil, do you know how shocking this is? He turns around to see what's going on, and the veil is laying on the ground. And there it is, larger than life, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, and I'm sure the priest thought, I am dead. He probably thought, I'm dead. That's it. I'm a goner. I said, and by the time he kept saying that a few times, then he realized, wait a minute, I'm alive. I'm still alive. It was shocking to him. Now, it's very interesting. Listen, stay with me, please. 32 AD, the veil of the temple was torn. And the temple continued to function until AD 70 when Titus Vespasian leveled the city of Jerusalem. Now, we know from history that some guy, get this, Josephus tells us, that some guy goes into the temple area and he tried to sew up the veil. Isn't that just like man? God tears down the veil and gives access and freedom and liberty and man seeks to mend up the veil. God rips the veil, man sews it back up. God simplifies things, man complicates it. God gets rid of ritual and religion, and man wants it back. And it's unfortunate, listen, it is unfortunate that there are people in the church who find it to be their ministry to get out their thread, their sewing needle, and their thimble, You haven't heard that in a while, have you? And they're thimble, and they try to sew up the veil. What you talking about, Willis? Listen, there are people who try to add to the finished work of God. I call them veil menders. You need to write that down. Veil menders. They try to add to the finished work of God, adding to the grace of God. It's Jesus and tithing. It's Jesus and baptism. It's Jesus and Mary. It's Jesus and the priest. It's Jesus and suit and tie. It's Jesus and listen to our tapes and read our books. It's Jesus and long blonde hair. It's Jesus and a big afro. I don't know why I said that. It's Jesus and something else. Can I tell you something? Listen, it is Christ and Christ alone. Sola gratia. Sola gratia is Latin for grace and grace alone. Sola fide is Latin for for faith and faith alone. It's by grace you are saved. The Bible says, by grace you are saved. Watch this. The Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith. The Bible does not say that you are saved through faith. 
People say, oh, well, you've been saved through faith. You have not been saved through faith because that puts the, the, the onus on you that you are saved through your faith. No, you are saved by God's grace through faith. In other words, God tore the veil, reached down, touched your heart, drew you by his spirit, and you believed and gave your life to Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith. Don't let anybody tag on anything to the grace of God, because if they do, it's an insult. And think about it. I never cease to be amazed. When you came to Christ, you were broke down, messed up sinner. Uh Uh-huh. You could clap right there if that's you. Broke down. Messed up sinner. People came to Jesus. They were smokers and drinkers and drug addicts and prostitutes and dancers and liars and fornicators and thieves and robbers. I know I'm not talking to anybody here, but they were murderers and people who had been in jail and people who should be in jail and people who got their picture in Slammer magazine. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all in here now, I seen you. And, and when you came to God, you hadn't done anything. We come to God never having done anything to please him. You came to him and he forgave you. You came to him and he washed you by grace. You came to him and he set you free. You came to him through the veil by grace. And now you're adding works. Hello. That doesn't make sense. If you came by grace then it's grace that keeps you. It's grace that keeps you. Don't sew up the veil. It's grace and grace alone. Well, in verse 47 through 49, so everything goes black, and when the lights come on, the centurion saw what had happened, and he glorified God. And the people saw strange things that happened. The sky went black. There was an earthquake A thief gives his life to Christ. So as they're leaving and beating their chest in repentance, get this, already what Jesus said is coming true. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. In verse 50, saints, if you're looking at verse 50, can you say I'm looking at it? Some of y'all ain't looking at it. If you're looking at it, look at it and say amen. amen. Now behold, that means consider this. Watch this. There was a man named Joseph, a council member. He was good. He was a just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, so that's why we call him Joseph of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and he asked, literally he begged and he pleaded for the body of Jesus, and then he took it, circle it, he took it. It down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. And the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed the women who had come with him with him followed 
from Galilee followed after him, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath in verse 56, according to the commandment. So Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m., hung on the cross for six hours. There was a woman, there were women who stood by, and a certain man. This man was a council member. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the high court for the Jewish people. He was a good man and a just man. Joseph was not in agreement with what they did to Jesus. He went to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate sent soldiers to make sure that they were dead. Another gospel tells us that when they came to the three criminals on the cross, they broke the legs of two so they could die quickly. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. No need to break a bone. Now listen, a few weeks ago, I don't think it was last week. I think it was the week prior to that. I told you, remember I told you about the cruel game that they played with Jesus. They put the bag over his head and they punch him in the face. And then they, they, they would say, tell us who, who, who hit you, prophesy who hit you. And, and I told you as I was describing things in my description that by the time that they finished beating Jesus, they probably broke every bone in his face because, you know, you can't see the punches coming. Remember I told you about all of that? And I want to tell you something. Um, uh, um, the Bible says that they did not break a bone. Therefore, um, that what I told you a couple of weeks ago was not correct. I have to tell you that I was. Mistaken. mistaken. <laughs> I was wrong there. I got it out. There you go. Now, I want you guys to enjoy this moment because it doesn't happen that often, okay? So enjoy this. I was wrong. Listen, the Bible says that they didn't break Jesus' legs because um, he was already dead, that they went and they broke the legs of the two criminals, but that they didn't break Jesus' legs. They took a spear and stuck it in his side, remember? And blood and water came gushing out. And the Bible says that the scriptures might be fulfilled, that not a bone was broken. So Jesus did not have a broken bone. Joseph comes to request the body of Jesus. John tells us that Joseph was a secret disciple for the fear of the Jews. Why? Because John chapter 9 tells us it was decided if anyone had anything to do with this carpenter from Galilee, he would be excommunicated from the temple, which was a big deal. You were considered dead by your family. But after seeing these things that happened to Jesus, Joseph didn't care. He comes boldly out of the shadows and requests the body of Jesus. Joseph gets the body of Jesus. And we know from John's gospel that he brought linen cloth. John also tells us that Nicodemus, are y'all listening? John tells us, are y'all listening? Jesus, the Bible also tells us that, 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 um, that, that uh, in John, that, that it was Nicodemus who came with Joseph. And remember when Jesus met Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, remember? When Nick came at night, remember? Should I do it? Nick at night. No, I didn't. 
When Nick came to Jesus at night, the Bible tells us that Nicodemus, he brought 100 pounds of spices. So Joe brought the cloth and Nick brought 100 pounds of spices. And I just wonder, listen, here's my sanctified imagination. I wonder while Joseph and Nick were standing there at the cross, was Nicodemus looking up at Jesus hanging on the cross? And I wonder if he was thinking about that conversation in John chapter 3 when Jesus and Nick were standing there and it was nighttime. And Jesus said to Nick, he said, Nick, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, Nick. But they will have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I wonder, did maybe Nicodemus thought about that conversation when Jesus was hanging there on the cross? Maybe. Maybe not. But what was happening? What was going on in his heart? We don't know. Verse 54 tells us in verse 53, notice when they take it, they take it. That's the body of Jesus. They take the nails out of his hands and they're trying to hold up a dead body that's limp and dead weight. And in in the arms are out of joint. No, I'm crying. The arms are out of joint. And his face It's marred more than any other man, Isaiah tells us. And they had ripped his beard out of his face and his body was ripped and torn to shreds. And they take it down and they quickly sponge it down and they wash the wounds and they place Jesus in a tomb that no one had ever laid before. And they wrapped the body of Jesus and they placed it in Joseph's new tomb. So from a virgin womb to a virgin tomb, this tomb was carved into the side of a mountain, very expensive. No jackhammers or explosives in Jesus' day, so tombs were dug by hand. And the only wealthy people, only wealthy people could afford them, so it was a sacrifice for Joseph to give this tomb. Of course, Jesus only needed it for a few days, but it was a sacrifice, amen, saints? So here it is, coming in for a landing. Joseph and Nicodemus, listen, I'm ending right here. Joseph and Nicodemus... Never read Luke chapter 24. Why? Because it wasn't written yet. Did you know? They never read Luke 24. They, they, and they're taking down the body of Jesus. And maybe they're wondering, was he really a prophet? Will he really rise from the grave? But the most striking thing to me is whatever they thought of him, whatever they saw in him, they were willing to give it all up for his sake. They were willing to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. And saints, can I tell you something? That's exactly what God wants you to do. And that is what God requires you to do. That's what God requires me to do. People tell me all the time, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I know what God wants you to do. God wants you to deny your flesh in that heart. God wants you to say no to your flesh, deny your flesh, take up your cross. Whatever it is, is your burden. Take up your cross and follow him. Do the same thing. Deny yourself. You know, somebody once wrote this, and I'll leave you with this. He began his ministry talking about Jesus by being hungry, and yet 
He is the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, and yet he is the living water. Jesus was weary, and yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, and yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, and yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, and yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, and yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was bought as a lamb to the slaughter, and yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, and yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. That's my Jesus. And I ask you one question. I leave you here. Do you know him? Someday, listen, someday, when you die, not if you die, but when you die, will you walk arm in arm with Jesus into his kingdom? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.